I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. This is Thurl Bailey, and welcome to Thurl Talk. Uh, this is uh, this podcast thing is a new adventure for me, and and I think that uh, maybe I'll explain why I wanted to do this. And a lot of it is because of my experiences. I I talk to people every day, and one of the most important things that I take away from those conversations a lot of times are, are stories. You know, stories that uh, that really really connect with me and things that I can hopefully take from that. But this is really about the journey. I've had a lot of opportunities in my life and I, I hope that in some way, shape or form that, that you can really understand or really connect with what you'll be hearing from me and, uh, and also from other people. I think one of the best forms of, of learning life lessons is about what other people have gone through the highs and the lows um, the triumphs the tragedies uh, we can learn so much from each other and I hope to get an opportunity to to learn some of your stories for you to take me on a journey but uh, I would like to talk to you about how I actually came up with the idea about storytelling and and uh, and there's actually a story behind that because uh, in the in the early 90s when I played basketball over in Europe I elected to go over to Europe to play professional basketball I was in Italy and I played in a city a beautiful city in northern Italy called uh, Como and I don't know if you've ever been to Como, Italy, but it's a beautiful place. It's uh, it sits about a half hour from Milan, and on the other side of that, I used to take a drive on my days off to go to a, a little city called uh, Lugano, and, and that's in Switzerland, Lugano, Switzerland. And I, I would take that drive, and it was only like a thirty-minute drive, and I take that drive quite frequently on my days off. Um, partly because the drive was pretty. But the other part, too, if you spend enough time in Italy, you know that the food there is magnificent. And I decided that, listen, I needed a break. I wanted to get a little taste of America because, you know, you, you miss home. So there was a, 
Right off the first exit in Lugano, Switzerland, there's a McDonald's. <laughs> so every once in a while, I have this taste for a Big Mac. So I would take that drive for that reason and other reasons. But I'd taken it many times. And the protocol, when you go into another country or before you were allowed to go into another country, obviously you had to stop at the border. And the Border Patrol officer would come over and and you'd know to have a couple things ready, your passport, your visa. And each time, it didn't change. You roll your window down and that Border Patrol person with the AK-47 would ask you three questions before they would kind of give you that rite of passage to go over into Switzerland. And so on this particular day, and I don't know if you've ever had these days where you're kind of at a crossroads. I, I remember being at a crossroads in my life. I was in the middle of, towards the end of my basketball career. And and I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do if I couldn't play basketball. I knew I had a lot of options, but you know, it's still, once you've done something for a long time, even if you want to change, you may not be prepared, or you just may not have decided what you want to do post-career. Uh, and there were other things going on. Uh, there were relationship things going on with with uh, my family. My wife and I were newly married, and there were some, well, that's another podcast, but there were some things going on that we had to figure out. But uh, I got to the Border Patrol that day, rolled my window down, and the first question came. And the Border Patrol lady, I remember her well, she asked me the first question, which was, Sir, where are you coming from? And obviously she wanted to know, you know, where I was prior to getting to the border. So I answered the question, and then the second question came, and she wanted to know, why are, why are you here? So she said, sir, why are you here today? So she wanted to know my purpose for being at that place. I answered that question and then waited for the last question that I'd heard many times. And she wanted to know what my destination was. And so I told her that. She gave me my papers back. And I pulled away. I didn't make it quite make it to my destination, to the McDonald's that day that was probably my first stop I actually pulled over to the side of the road because I had one of those kind of epiphany moments I pulled over to the side of the road and I remember I was listening uh, to uh, Prince on the uh, on my playlist in my car and I turned the music off and I, I just sat there thinking for a minute because it had hit me that those three questions I had been asked over and over again were three of the most important questions that I could probably be asked that day. Now, any other day before that, it really didn't matter as much. But on that particular day, those three questions hit me differently than they had ever hit me before. And so I pondered each one. I went to the first one that she asked me, where was I coming from? Where did I come from? And the first word that hit my mind was my past. Because I just believe that my past is important. It took me back to my mom. And 
something she told me. I think she was a little angry at me that day. I had acted a little bit differently or something. I can't remember what the situation was, but she looked at me and she, she kind of balled her fist up and looked up at me. And she said, boy, don't you ever forget where you came from. And I remember that day because so many things had happened and, and my past had just entered my mind. It was like a flash. And I remember my mom saying that to me and understanding how important it was to not forget your past. And a lot of people don't like to go back there because there are some things you don't want to dig up. So I always say that you you don't have to dwell on it, but you should always remember it and use it. And whether those decisions that you've made are ones you don't want to make again, it's always good to kind of reflect on some of those things. And, and not just the bad decisions, but some of the good ones you've made. Things that have led you to that next good place in your life. There's always talk about how difficult change is, but some of those decisions that you've had to take a risk and 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 move on in your life or you know people that have come across your path that you've had to let go and it was difficult to be able to do that so i understood that day how important my past was and i i really kind of uh went back in my my past library and think about certain things that transpired in my life good and bad that have led me to my car in Lugano, Switzerland, thinking about it. And then I went on to the second question, which was, why are you here today? Which really screamed purpose to me. Man, because I, I just, I believe everybody has a purpose. You know, there's something that most of us, or even all of us, need to be doing at this point in our lives. And obviously, those decisions uh, past and present have a bearing on that. What's your purpose? I, I truly believe that that there's a connection with all of us that part of our purpose is to be able to be of service to other people, whatever we do, to be able to help others. Um, and obviously, we have to be able to help ourselves first, but How difficult is that sometimes to figure out what you should be doing and what your purpose is in your life? Uh, it's tough sometimes. Now, I was playing basketball. I was doing something that I loved to do, but it, was it really my purpose? No, I don't believe that. I believe it could hopefully lead to a bigger purpose in life, maybe building that platform in my life to do something good with it. So that was... a. Uh, Man, I I was sitting in my car. I know the Border Patrol people were kind of looking at me like, well, what's he doing? He hasn't moved. But I went to the last question about where am I going? What's my destination? They asked. And it just made me ponder, well, what if tomorrow was the last day I could play basketball? What if something happened? I couldn't play anymore. Where do I see myself? Where do I see myself in three years, five years, ten years from now? In different parts of my life. No, I couldn't play basketball forever. But what was next? Had I planned for it? Financially, 
Was I ready to retire and move on? What else could I contribute family-wise? You know, did I see myself? How, do I, how did I see myself as a father? Um, career-wise, what else could I do? What was I prepared to do? Had I, had I prepared enough in my past in college to, to move on to something that could be as important to me as as my present career. So I sat there thinking about those three questions, and I decided basically that those three questions were going to be my scoreboard, if you will. They were going to be my gauge as to how I'm doing in different parts of my life. If I could continue to ask myself and answer those three questions in different parts of my life uh, then then to me it would really tell me a lot about who I am and where I am and, and what I've accomplished so I don't know if you ask yourself those questions maybe in different forms maybe in different times of your life uh, maybe you haven't thought about it but I think it's, it's, it's a good beginning for people to look at those three questions and try to ask and answer those three questions. And I did make it to that McDonald's. I was starving. But, um, yeah, I, I just think this is an important time. It's an important time for me in my life. Uh, it's an important time for those who are listening to really take inventory. And so... I hope that along this journey, you and I can can learn a lot from each other. Let's take a break and we'll be right back with more Thorough Talk. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Thorough Talk. I'm Thorough Bailey, and we were just talking about uh, before the break the three questions: Where have you been? Why are you here? And where are you going? Your past, your purpose, and basically your future. Uh, and I guess in line with that, I like to. Maybe help you get to know me a little bit better and maybe take you back to my past a little bit. I grew up in, I was actually born in 1961, Aretha and Carl Bailey, Washington, D.C. Now, my, both my parents were originally from North Carolina, Rocky Mount, 
North Carolina, Nash County. And uh, they went to high school together. And um, right before I was born, they moved to Washington, D.C. One to find better work. It was, it was hard finding work back in those days in the 60s, the late 50s and 60s. Uh, of course, you know, the, the civil rights movement was in full force. And in the South, uh, it was just tough. It was tough for blacks to find really good, good paying jobs. My, both my parents worked in the cotton and tobacco fields back then. And just not enough pay. So they moved to D.C. And my brother, my, I'm sorry, my, my father's brother passed away. Died of pneumonia uh, shortly before I was born. His name was Thurl. And so uh, really in honor of him, my parents named me after him. And I was born shortly after they moved to Washington, D.C. I had an older sister and an older brother. Sharon was my was the oldest, and the second oldest was my brother Carl, uh, and then they had me, April seventh, nineteen sixty one, and um, my mom found odd jobs. Her goal was to be a a nurse. She wanted to be a an R, RPN. Is that what they call them? No, LPN, licensed practice nurse. And um, my dad was a carpenter, worked odd jobs. And um, as I got older, I, I just remember how difficult it was in the area we grew up in, in D.C. They eventually moved right outside of D.C. to Maryland, but the, the surroundings weren't much different than the big city. I was pretty fortunate, though. I... I had both parents in the home. And as I think about it, most of my friends and the people I knew, especially my age, didn't only have one parent, usually the mom, and sometimes didn't have either parent. The grandmother pretty much raised all the kids. And um, it actually did take a, you know, you hear it all the time about it takes a village. And it was true where I grew up in, in Maryland. It was so true that the neighbors actually had permission to whoop our butts if we got out of line by our parents. I mean, it was it, it was crazy because we knew we couldn't act up. We couldn't get in trouble. Uh, and then once the neighbors finished whooping our butts and we went home, we got another whooping from our parents. <laughs> and I don't know what your definition of whooping is today because, you know, I, I look at the whoopings we got. They weren't spankings. They were whoopings and whatever they could find we'd be whooped with um, but yeah man I remember some of those whoopings and, and I think for the most part as as Bailey kids we stayed out of trouble uh, my mom had this uh, routine and sometimes it was the really scare us straight but other times it was real we had this these hedges out in our yard and I remember getting in trouble a few times, and I knew what was coming. So my mom would send us outside, and we had to pick a switch. You know what a switch is? It's like a little branch with leaves on it off the hedge. So 
we had this um, this like picture window in our living room, and we'd be standing in front of it. And my mom would say, "I want you to go out there and, and bring me a switch." And she said, "You better not bring a little one in back either. I'm gonna make you go out and get it, get another one." So I go out and I try to take my time because I knew what was coming, right? Because I had done something really bad that deserved whatever was coming to me. And so I tried to get like this medium size to large switch and I bring it in. The leaves were still on it. And I'd bring it to my mom and she's standing in front of me and she started at the bottom with her two fingers and she ripped the leaves off. And there's this little skinny stick, right? And my mom, she was always dramatic because she, you know, she kind of whipped that thing and you hear the wind. And she played it up. She didn't have a smile on her face. Sometimes I think she even made a Z with it, like, you know, like she was Zorro or something. But here I am just crying because I knew what was coming. And there were times when she'd just say, pull your pants up, son. Next time I'm going to I'm going to give it to you. Don't ever do that again. And so a lot of times the whooping didn't even come just because I was scared enough she scared me enough, basically preparing for it. She thought that was punishment enough. But that's kind of how we grew up. You know, we grew up with, you know, the heavy hand of the law in the house saying, listen, a lot of these kids around here, parents have already given up on. And I would hear the talk sometimes when parents were talking, you know, none of these kids are ever going to make anything out of themselves. My parents wanted different for us. And they, they made sure that the important thing for us was our education. My mom would repeatedly say, I don't ever want to see or see or below on your report card. But to quote her, she said, boy, you better not ever bring a see or below on your report card. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, what do most kids think about C's? Like, okay, that, that's passing. But she would always say, hey, a C is average. C is average and I don't raise average kids. So I don't ever want to see a C or below on any of you guys' report cards. And we never brought C's home. We never brought C's or below home. And she said, your education is what you, what's going to get you out of here. And I want you trying hard every single day to be above average. So that's kind of the, the household I was brought up in. My dad was more of the, the reinforcer. My mom and dad were pretty good as a team. My dad would go out. Uh, my dad actually got hurt. He was on a construction job, and a brick wall fell on him. And so he was in a coma for a while. My mom had to nurse him back to health and teach him how to speak again and and write. Uh, so my mom was really the, if you will, was really the, the kind of the stronghold of our family. She ended up becoming a nurse. She was an LPN at first, but her hours were really interesting because she would leave at night and she would come back. She'd have that late night shift, come back in the morning about 7 or 8 o'clock and was home before we were to go off to school. So that was the kind of household I grew up in. and It was interesting because I remember those days when we would take trips and go to our favorite takeout place and we weren't able to go in the front door we had to go where the, the arrow pointed 
colored people in the back. And we didn't really understand a lot that was going on. My parents would have to explain why we'd, we'd have to go to the back to order and, and, and pay for our food. It was also interesting because when we looked inside, all of the cooks were black. But blacks weren't allowed to go in the main entrance where the whites would enter. We would drive to North Carolina to visit relatives and stop at our favorite places and stay in the car and watch our parents go and order our food and bring it back. So those were interesting times uh, that our parents were educators. They would educate us on what was going on and they would teach us not to be violent. And Man, I remember those first days when busing was implemented and the schools were being desegregated and pulling up to the junior high school and watching the white parents of the kids that we were going to be classmates with, with with signs. I mean, just very derogatory and, you know, things that were hurtful and hateful. But it was different when, when class started. I mean, those, for the most part, the black kids and the white kids found a common ground somehow and things were starting to get better uh, and hopefully that we were taking these things home to teach our parents that it wasn't so bad that made a new friend and he's white uh, so those were interesting times in the the early 70s when race relations were really at a point now, some days it, it was good some days it was bad but learned a lot from the stories of my parents and growing up and, and how not to be towards people. My mom got a job working for 50 cents an hour at uh, the homes of wealthy white people. And she was trying to raise money, obviously keep the, the family going. And so was my dad working on jobs before he got hurt. But those were great times in my past. Those were times that I look at now and I understand what my parents went through growing up and and as parents you one of the reasons why you work so hard and you go through some of the things that you do is so when you have kids they don't have to experience that they don't have to go through difficult times now you want to make them work you don't want to spoil them and give them everything that's my belief anyway but you still want them to understand where you came from and some of the struggles you had to go through so they don't have to go through it. Or when they get to a point that they come to a specific situation, they can learn the things that you learn and handle it in the way that they, they know is the right way. Um, and that was my parents' purpose in their lives, was to, to get through those difficult times for their kids so we wouldn't have to struggle with certain things to prepare us for things that were coming and how to handle those things. But maybe you can relate to some of those stories. Maybe the culture you grew up in was similar in ways. Maybe it wasn't race. Maybe it was religion. Maybe it was your social status. What are some of the things that 
you've gone through in your life that your kids are facing now? Because I think a lot of times kids don't think that their parents understand them. And whenever I talk to kids, I say, they understand you. It's just a matter of whether you'll, you want to listen or do you hear them. Maybe you're listening, but you don't really hear them. But I think the best hope of, of a parent is to just do the best they can. And when their kids get to a point one day that they have to use that information, you hope they were listening. My mom and dad, my dad passed away about three years ago and my mom four years ago. And uh, it's interesting when when you're with your parents during that time, there's so much that comes back and there's so much that you're grateful for learning from them. And hopefully you, you choose to, to represent them in a way that, that they would be proud of you. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's part of my journey, my past journey. And I've, I've been able to experience a lot of those things with my siblings that hopefully are helping my kids today. But that's really where I, I want to take you every week. You know, every Tuesday, you'll have the capability to download this podcast and you can find it on iTunes or wherever you you find your podcast but I I want to take this journey with you so I hope that uh, you will decide to continue to take this journey and and that it will become helpful in your life that you can really relate to some of the things we'll be discussing we'll be talking about that we'll be having a conversation about and uh, and, I, and I'll bring on I'll have some of my friends over to chat about their journeys and things that they've learned along the way that's one great thing about stories we can learn a lot from each other and so I hope to be able to to be a, a, a huge part of your life every week. So it's time to, to say so long for now. Thanks for joining me, and I'll see you next time on Thorough Talk.